In the beginning, life was simple. For spot market freight, all you had to do was post your number on a billboard or on a printout load board and wait for calls. Nowadays, though, through advances in technology, we can track the movement of trucks in real time. Cell phones have replaced pay phones, and load boards can fit in the palm of your hand. Now, while this has made things something's easier, unfortunately, some things like service failures stay the same. Today, we're going to dive into how tech helps brokers and carriers manage hard-to-service lanes and what's the balance between technology and people in this episode of Loaded and Rolling. Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Watson. We at FreightWaves talk frequently about technology, like all the time. Freight tech, TMSs, fuel routing, automated load planning, and my personal favorite, AI chatbots. But one major challenge is implementation and execution, especially in freight where chaos is often a form of job security. But balance is key, and finding that balance can be tricky. Take it from me, I still remember how angry a C.H. Robinson rep was each time I abused their Buy It Now function on their load board. More secrets and more, but joining me to talk about service, tech stacks, and dealing with hard-to-service lanes is Samantha Savage, Operations Manager at Circle Logistics. Welcome, Sam. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, you too. Good to see you. I remember back in Sirius, of course, it's radio, so uh, you only get to hear the voice. And I had a kitchen table studio, but luckily we're moving up in the world and we have a larger one behind us. Uh, for folks who are unfamiliar with what you do and what Circle Logistics does, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, yes, I'm an operations manager here at Circle. Um, I've been here going on about three years. So um, in my time here, I started in customer service, which is something I'm very focused on. I have um, about six teams underneath me now, and we manage anything from an expedite shipment um, to dedicated drop freight to anything you can think of that needs to move over the road. Um, so I have quite a quite a bit of a team here that uh, is, is looking forward to the show today too. So, yeah, super excited! And if anyone they're watching, give them a shout out as well. Um, you know, looking into best practices for customer service. I used to remember in trucking, my best practice was try to not get yelled at and make sure that if one of them yells at you, you spread out the pain amongst all customers. But as a broker, it can be a little tricky. Tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that you all do to help manage some of the chaos. So we have um, individual teams here that handle specific customers, which definitely helps our customer service be above all others in my eyes. Um, so we have a account management team and we have our carrier sales team. Our account management team is responsible for that customer communication, which is huge for us. And then our carrier sales team handles those carriers. Um, so if we have any issues, we sit side by side, hand in hand, um, and we tackle those issues head on. It's not something we put off um, until tomorrow. We we definitely take a major factor in handling the situation at the time rather than later on. I think that's one thing folks don't get in a split model as well, where you have carrier sales and then you have the account folks. I used to be an account executive and the drama between in a down market was amazing because if you said that, you know, <laughs> if you're trying to sell something, let's say I used to sell it for like 600, but now I need to be at 550, you would be shocked by the amount of times folks would get so frustrated. 
Uh, and I think that's something a lot of carriers don't understand is that was one of the biggest challenges when markets change whenever you're managing customer expectations, because I'm assuming they want it cheaper. Customers do. Um, so we are definitely powered by that customer service. So for us, if our customer reaches out, uh, we will ensure to do everything that our customer needs, whether that is dropping $5, $50, $200 in some cases, right? Um, but having kind of our split model here, we sit hand in hand and we make sure that before we say yes, we have that option, we have that availability. Um, our teams do operate kind of on one team, one dream mentality here. So if uh, I can help you and you can help me, we're going to do it at the end of the day. Uh, customer service, like I said, is 100% my main focus and my team's focus. So if our customers are happy and we stay communicating to them, then that's the end of the day, my goals are met. Understandable. Uh, my favorite one was uh, I used to do some open deck stuff. And so we would ship okay. coils. One of the challenges was uh, sometimes depending upon your customer, uh, they'd say their coils rusted and you're like, no, nah, it was fine when I tarped it and delivered it. And you come back six months later. Do you ever feel like with customers and, and customer service, that's one of the challenges is identifying what are good characteristics in a customer that you want to work with? Yes, I, I do agree with the good customer characteristics. Um, so we do have a good funnel that kind of feeds our operations team here. So we do have that structure as well. And they do the vetting prior to our teams kind of tackling it. Um, I have a partner here as well. His name's Matt McCarter, and him and I work hand in hand on our account side. So, for example, if his team is better suited for the customer that we have onboarding or coming on, we make sure that it goes to that team versus maybe my team, even if it was something that I landed or vice versa. Um, because, again, that end of the day service level to our customer is the most important thing that we see here. Uh, we have teams that are specialized in drop freight, tanker endorsed, hazmats, different factors all play into the cost and into the communication that you need to that customer. So the extra training that our team puts in up front to ensure that our teams are are equipped for those conversations, those bottlenecks, those situations that come up in each of those um, freight identifiers, we make sure that they're taken care of and that it's in the right team. So switching gears a little bit, let's look at types of lanes as well. Uh, you know, customer yeah. routing guides, uh, oftentimes uh, one one carries hard to service lanes and other carries quite easy to service or lanes. Uh, for folks who don't understand, what are some of the things that make a lane difficult from uh, your standpoint? So maybe um, the customer has a shipper and receiver that have very limited hours of operation. So pickup or delivery schedules are super tight windows just don't align um, with the transit time is some of the things that we see day to day. And in the customer's eyes, you know, it's it's 300 miles. It should kind of range in this price range. Um, however, those factors, right, the shipper, receivers, uh, overweight loads, things along those lines make a lane hard to service, even if it is a, a highly sought after lane. Um, so in order for Circle to service those lanes, I have that extra customer service touch and we make sure that we call the shipper, call the receiver, and we are reporting back to our customer. Hey, I, I talked to the shipper today. Um, they only have this pickup time. I know you asked us to pick up at 9 a.m., but news the earliest. How do you want us to proceed? And kind of put that back into their hands. Um, Circle is is very much powered by our innovative solutions that we provide. So I, I'm not not going to bring you a problem. I'm going to bring a solution to your problem, which is why you're reaching out to us in the first place. 
And um, that's definitely set us apart in the market over the last couple of years. Have you noticed, uh, I guess now with freight the being in the down market, are shippers becoming more flexible or do you still have a few that say, well, you can pick it up till three, but I can't let you deliver it until like 5 p.m. next day for like 200 miles? We see both. Um, we see some of them that are very strict on their cutoffs. We do to overtime. They don't want to pay the overtime, which don't blame them there. Um, and then we see some who are a little bit more flexible because it's it's a required product to keep them up and going. So I think you're kind of at a, a different market if you're dealing with a distributor, you're dealing with a food food markets, you're dealing with, you know, the uh, Procter & Gamble's, things along those lines, right, that y'all have different requirements on that customer side. Do y'all still do drop trailer with being uh, drop trailer with PNG? I used to do it at US Express, but then when I worked for our PNGs with as a carrier, the problem was PNG was not as cool with live unload appointments. So uh, they definitely do require drop trailers. Um, we're actually seeing this across the market a lot more because it does allow for the unloading in the evening hours. So. That's kind of a solution that I pitch on my teams are the drop trailers, especially if they have a 24-hour facilities. Um, definitely makes for quicker and easier onloading, especially if you have tight windows to deliver in for live onloads. Um, that's definitely been a solution that Circle has uh, offered in many cases. And I remember back in the day, like uh, even as a carrier and then as a broker, drop trailers before the pandemic felt like a lot of work. A lot of times you're blasting a carrier's email out. You're like, hey, do you have any trailers? Is there something you're seeing where either Circle provides the trailers or are you seeing a lot more where the customer says, all right, let me know the carrier, let me know their trailers, uh, they have to bring their own, or is there like an interchange agreement? We also offer both in that scenario. Um, the biggest thing for me is we do have carrier partners that are extremely vetted uh, within our system. So we know how many trailers, how many drivers, the areas that they would like to go or dislike to go which then helps us when we are offered a project or even just a spot opportunity, we can send in, you know, X carrier to do the 15 loads or the one load or the 500 loads. Um, and in order to keep it the same and not have issues, we use that one team to help with that project. And random question on out of uh, hard to service lanes. There are some really cool research with uh, one of the folks at uh, MIT. They're talking about what's called ghost lanes, where let's say on the bid, you get a hard to service lane going to like, uh, you know, let's just say it goes from Butte, Montana, Dallas to Butte. You know, you don't see that a lot. But when it comes time to having it sent to you and try to service the lane, it turns out sometimes the loads disappear or they just don't know when they ship it. Is that another challenge as a, as a 3PL is to find carriers who are willing to run it, but they're available when it actually gets tendered over? That definitely is a difficult factor um, across any market. For example, the lane you're giving would definitely be one that you would want to have um, a deep pocketbook, right? To make sure you have six or seven people you can reach out to because you may only have one carrier who can take it one day, but you always get them on Thursdays and that just doesn't work for them. And now we're kind of in a pickle. Um, so I would say we definitely try to ensure that we have two to five options between any of our given lanes or opportunities that are offered before we're able to take them, um, which again, allows us to make sure we can service those lanes because you give us a hard to service lane and you have to give it back. That's nothing different than what they're used to. So we set ourselves apart by ensuring the coverage before we're taking it, especially when we go to market 
and ask for your hard to service lane so we can show why you should choose Circle. Definitely. And uh, it was one of my favorite ones was, uh, so the brokerage I came from was a split model, but they had a customer, uh, customer sales brought them in. And then as ops, you take it over. But one of them got excited and picked a really hard to service lane. And then there was miscommunication between the customer. They found a truck, then the customer didn't want to ship it. And if you mess it up, everyone just gets extremely angry. Uh, looking at how carriers are dealing in the market right now, uh, you know, talking, trucking, loaded and rolling. Do you see a situation where you're getting a lot more larger carriers trying to, you know, fill the bucket? Or is it still a situation where you have a lot more smaller owner operators? You're kind of hard to tell. We truly work with both. Um, so our accounts team does a great job at maintaining those relationships with the customer and our carrier teams. And even a lot of our operations folks do a great job at continuing that relationship with the carriers, the drivers, um, because at the end of the day, the customer service to our drivers are just as important to our customers. Um, you know, if you call them angry, they're not going to want to help you again. If you call them with a solution to the problem that they're sitting at a receiver or sitting at a shipper, um, they're going to be a little more willing to work with you as well. So we do a good variety of both. Um, when it comes to some of these larger projects or larger customers, a lot of the larger carriers are still wanting a lot more than what market value, quote unquote, is, right? Um, and we all kind of have our own version of what market value is right now. But we are definitely trying to keep these smaller owner operators going just as much as these big folks that kind of can can keep themselves going right now, too. That's what I felt like as an analyst uh, when we'd work with uh, 3PLs as a large asset-based carrier, you know, 90% is contract, 10% you do spot. When you go onto the spot and it ticks up, uh, you know, a lane I'd pay 150 for is a 5,000 trucks I need to move. I'll do 110, but maybe the smaller independent carrier can only do like 125, 130 or they're out of business. Uh, is that something that you see a little bit more in this type of market or is it a situation where you still have to balance your carrier base? Because I'm assuming if you send it all to one, then you may not have that other carrier to help you when you need that assistance. We definitely make sure that we balance it. So f just as you mentioned there, right, if if you've got it at 110 and I have to pay someone 120 to keep them alive and afloat, we definitely take that into to our advantage as well. We will help them to help us in the future so we can keep them on one of those and make sure we can either connect them into something else too. That's kind of the the fun part about what we do and the opportunities that we have across our company is we can pair them together as well and and take a little hit on the front side to help them a little bit further down the line. That was always the best part about managing is when you get your lanes, you know, dedicated is an interesting term because in trucking dedicated, it's like I take over a Walmart DC, but dedicated in brokerage is I'm dedicating you to this lane and you're going to consistently run it. Um, you know, is that where there's any tough questions now? Because I know I had this problem uh, right as the pandemic started was where uh, customers started pushing back really hardcore on rates. Carriers were naturally fighting back. Uh, is that something where in accounts and being in operations, is that one of the challenges is figuring out who do I keep on? Who do I not? How do I balance my margins and my customer expectations? So we are definitely keeping um, all customers on board. We have not had any that we have um, fallen off from or lost touches with. So definitely in the market, we're seeing a lot more of the RFQs coming out in smaller waves rather than one big RFQ in the year. Um, I think the customers are also in the same mindset that if they go roll it out all at one time, we can all take it at this rate for now. But we're all in hopes, right? Within that kind of four to six month range here, we start to get back on that upswing. 
um, that we're currently fighting for right now. So they're they're also aware that they don't want to have to go back through and consistently increase pricing or decrease pricing. So currently across our customer base, we see a lot of them being strategic with it up front, um, which is definitely helpful, but it also keeps our teams on their toes. So uh, we can see the same lanes we're running right now go out to market and get kind of market tested. And then we're also making sure we're driving the rates down with our carriers to keep it within circle. That's what I was curious about, because it feels like that's the big debate. You know, working at Freight Waves, we're in media. We don't really get to do the day to day. We're 30,000 feet up. But I was always curious if customers start when, they, when they're pushing back against on rates, what the conversations are, if they're saying, hey, I'm not going to go as low as I can go. I really don't know how this is going to pan out. Do you feel like right now that's kind of the big question is we just don't know what six months is going to look like. A lot of folks are saying it's going to go up, but you don't want to be that transportation planner who then has to buy twice as much because you ran off your carrier base. Correct. Correct. Fun times. I want to talk about technology next. Uh, looking at the tech stack, always always fun getting to talk to you guys, especially on Sirius. We've had a few folks on talking about technology. What are some of the cool things you all have been working on? Anything in the pipeline uh, lately at Circle in terms of the tech stack? So we definitely... Um have been looking into a lot of the new technology, the AI technology, which I heard you mention a little bit on that earlier. Um, it's definitely new and upcoming. So um, us and our upper management level are kind of learning more about that. It's not something I've ever really quote unquote dove into, but that's again, as you heard me say, I'm big on the customer service, the human interaction. Um, so some of the big things we kind of have going that we have dove in deep and made sure we have updated and up to, to speed will be um, a lot more of our ADI capabilities. A lot of our customers are moving to that for transparency so that they can see the tracking, they can um, update their systems based on what our systems say. And then we also um, have been moving a lot towards some of the auto updates in our systems. So we have the 24-7 tracking and eyes on all freight at all times, but we have a system kind of going through right now that is checking our loads kind of in and out. And we have teams double checking to make sure that that's working properly right now so that we can kind of move away from um, a lot of excess touches in our system. That's what I was the biggest thing that surprised me when I went from, I was at US Express for five years. It was all automated EDI updates. Uh, The ELDs and stuff would basically ping it and send it through. But you also, here's another funny one. I don't know if y'all done this before. Uh, Some of them could scrub it. So what would happen is, you would have the expectation of like 95% service, but there was a filter where the CSR would look at these uh, if it's late and then they put an update to the code before it got sent back. Is that, that's fascinating because it feels like brokerages are finally embracing this when before, I remember when I started to drive logistics, they were just happy to figure out, oh my gosh, I'm getting an EDI connection. They're going to send me some stuff over. Has uh, that in the past few years been the, the big <laughs> trend? Uh, you'd be surprised. They're like, oh my gosh, my first RFP and now they want EDI. How do we do this? You know, it was like a 1918, you know. <laughs> so I, uh, I've been around, we have quite a few customers that are EDI um, connected with Circle. And then we have quite a few that are still, quote unquote, old school, right? Um, but it's due to their systems and kind of being outdated. And we're starting to see a lot more customers coming around to the newer transport systems, the newer updates, things like that, and or just implementing scorecards, especially with the market and carriers right now. Um, it's all super competitive. We're aware of that. But I think at the end of the day, the customers are starting to go towards these capabilities 
so that they don't have to run so many reports or do the manual data dig that we all used to have to do. Um, so the nice part about it is our system spits it out for us. Just like you mentioned, we can click a button and it tells us how many loads we were late on time, you know, missed uh, and, and or just did correctly. So it's definitely nice from a management standpoint on my side. I don't have to go pull that data. Um, it takes me a click and I can walk away and it's done in two minutes. And I'm thinking about like some of the, this is, it's a little bit far out on the chatbot stuff, looking at human interaction versus technology. There's a lot of the technology where you can send automated messages like, hey, have you arrived? Are you on time? Are you looking at this? When you're looking at these new technologies, is that kind of the biggest goal is a smaller test study? Let's just try it maybe with this one thing. Or when you're looking at it, is the question become, well, if I ra randomly spam a driver an automated message or an automated quote, is that going to take away from that connection between the rep and the carrier or, you know, the company? So we kind of have both. We are implementing and slowly kind of rolling things out along that line. So for Circle, we are still powered by that personalized touch. Um, which we have heard time and time again from our customer and our carriers that it's still important to have that. Um, if we go all automated, I think we lose some of our carrier connection. We lose some of our customer connections. Um, and that's something that, again, Circle prides themselves on is that additional um, connectivity with our customers and our carriers. Um, so we do have some of the, just kind of like you mentioned, right, the automated buttons we can push or send for, hey, where are you? We see you're tracking. Um, we see you're on site. Please confirm so that we can get that data. Again, as you mentioned, you know, we're kind of all on board with the AI technology coming through, and it is definitely going to put a different factor into our markets and allow us to be more one-on-one -on -one with our customers and our carriers where we've been focusing in on some of these extra touches that I think we can eliminate with some technology help. I just wish I had an AI because some customers just send you these big batches of emails. They're like, hey, tell me about this load, this load, this load. And I just wish I had an AI that could just figure that out for me and then just spit out the location. And I didn't have to deal with it because that was always my, that was always the most tedious part where you're just stuck looking back and then you have to stop what you're doing and do the updates or they want hourly updates. Looking at technology, uh, kind of thinking about biggest challenge, I see a lot of movement between shippers and brokerages because normally they're very tech forward. A shipper wants to update their system for better product. A broker wants to because, you know, you have assets of people and technology. For carriers, what's the biggest challenge you all see uh, in terms of trying to get them to implement technology? So for us, um, our biggest issue and kind of bottleneck again is is losing that that connection. So you can hope that it is correct, but until you have true data and um, things to kind of look back on, it's one of those where you have a 50-50, did it work or did it not? Um, so again, for us, we are big on having our customers EDI'd um, so that we don't have to touch five different portals or click the same button six different times to make sure that update goes through. It's it's in live, it's real time, um, and everything connects. And then we have the real data to go back off from as well. When you do, as you mentioned, um, compare scorecard notes and things like that too, it definitely makes a difference to have data to look back at. Random question on large carriers and scorecards. I remember back in the day, the challenge was uh, you would try to get connections with enterprise carriers, but they wouldn't always tell you. Or you had to go to a portal where they'd said truck is assigned, but they wouldn't tell you any more details. Are more larger carriers becoming more forthcoming to this, or are they just continuously saying, well, you can connect to my portal and I'll just tell you when it gets there? Um, we have seen both. However, Circle is one that we will not send a truck without 
driver, phone number, tractor, and trailer. So we personally um, have those touches again where you could send an AI to make that call and make that connection and get that information. Um, but again, for us, it's super important to have that because we do provide it to our customers so that they're aware, you know, that Jim is showing up and he should have this truck. If he doesn't, please don't, you know, let him take that load. And that also helps us with a lot of the uh, the prevention on theft or prevention on um, carrier frauds and things along those lines as well, which has been an industry issue for the last six months or so that we've been helping eliminate by doing that set task. I figure that's the biggest challenge is double brokering. Technology to reduce double brokering. I remember mm -hmm. at a large carrier, it wasn't a big deal because, you know, we we're an asset carrier, you know, a bunch of trucks we didn't work. But as even a smaller carrier, you go on a load board and sometimes they would be, you know, another carrier is pretending to give you a load. And the next thing you know, they show up and give you the bills and it's got the wrong carrier's name. You're like, oh, this is weird. Uh, is that <laughs> is that the biggest thing in the near term to work on? Or is there anything you can even do about trying to address this problem? There's there's a, the extra steps that we take internally are just kind of, as I mentioned, to ensure we are working with the carrier we know that we are calling. Um, and that's another you know specific reason that we are ensuring that human touch and human aspect stays stays real for us. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the other issues with the AI and the bots and things like that is that we definitely want to ensure we are talking to the carrier. We say we are, the carrier we're sending is who we are sending. Um, and for us, that definitely makes a big difference when we have that extra layer of security and our customers know that too. Like, hey, we're sending this truck, this driver. They don't show up, please let me know. Um, if they send somebody else, it, it helps us ensure that. Perfect. Sam, appreciate having you on the show again. Hopefully uh, next time I come on Sirius, we'll have to bring you back on. It's super random. I was telling some folks, but if folks want to learn more about Circle Logistics, what's the best way to get in contact? So take a look at our website at uh, circledelivers.com and we are available 24-7. Uh, Give us a call or shoot us an email and we'll be here, here to help. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on. Looking forward to seeing what you all are coming up with as well. It's going to be a wrap for today's show, though. If you want to catch it, it'll be on Apple and Spotify later this afternoon. And we do go live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Newsletter comes out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So Tuesdays at 1, Thursdays at 2. Loaded and rolling, tv.freightwaves.com. That's a wrap for today, though, folks. Been an absolute pleasure. And uh, join us next week. We'll do it live.